Hey everyone, my name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. With me today is Tyler Herchuk. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me in your wonderful studio. <laughs> so a lot of what we've been talking about on some of the other episodes is around people's identity, right? And so you're, I mean, relatively interesting because you're uninteresting in that sense. You are a cis straight white male. Uh, so you're kind of as, as generic as it gets and also as privileged as it gets. What has your experience been like in your life generally and also more recently as this has become more of a talking point? Well, I would say as being a cis straight white male, um, there haven't been nearly as many hardships as I've seen others that aren't, you know, don't identify themselves as the same identity that I have kind of thing. Um, a lot of times traveling and seeing different cultures and different ways of life, you know, not only how I identify, but even just the language that I speak, right? Um, everything caters to me, right? And it's easy. I can go practically anywhere in the world and I can, I can get along just about anywhere. The reason that I kind of equated it to traveling is because that was in Toronto and in the area that we live in, there's a lot of white straight males, right? So I didn't see that I was being treated necessarily differently when I was younger, um, but it was my eyes were really opened when I left Toronto, and I saw, you know, I lived out western north north uh, northern Alberta, and a lot of straight white guys out there, you know, on the rigs and stuff like that. And so, there's definitely pressures to almost like maintain your straight white maleness, even something as simple as what I drink, like. I'm not a big fan of beer. I prefer cider. Boy, have I heard, you know, plenty about why I'm such a bitch for drinking cider, right? Yeah. Like, I, yeah, that's something I didn't really think of, but it's actually been very important to me is the topic of toxic masculinity. Have you felt, so like, I guess honing in on that aspect of this maleness, have you felt that in other areas as well? Absolutely. Um, from obviously what I said before, what I drink, uh, what I wear, how I dance, how I talk, um, you know, a lot of times I have come across two other people as a very different person than I thought I was portraying. Uh, a handful of times in my life, people have assumed or kind of prejudged that I was gay, you know, uh, whether it was they saw me dancing and they're like, this guy is a very flamboyant dancer. They, they connected, you know, boom, this guy must be gay. Mm -hmm. Even meeting some people, the first conversation I had with them, I was really excited about having a meal. I was like, who's excited for dinner? And they're like, in the back of their head, they told me like two days after, like, yeah, we thought you were gay just because of that. Yeah. And it's like, I make a point to not be this cookie cutter person because um, that's boring. Yeah. Right? I, and I feel like, like, don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of struggle that a lot of the groups have to have, but it seems that males still have a very limited box they can fit in of like what is a male and it's something I've I've struggled with my gender identity a lot because of how restrictive I feel that box is um, right and I mean I guess I'm I've always taken you know my my marching orders from society let's say and like what they say this is you know that's how I've tried to view it are, are you similar have you had you know any doubts or questions around that because it's such a stringent thing or you just have always known yeah 
Um, I definitely think that I was taking a lot of my cues from the people around me, from society. And it's always like when I was in high school, I wasn't, I was outgoing, but to a degree. And I mean, you were there, you saw that there was kind of a divide between the people that we hung out with for a time with the cool people, whatever. And it's always the loudest people that stand out, you know, the loudest, um, the tallest trees, I guess, kind of thing. And so when I was at that age i was taking my cues from these loud people you know the guy the the jockeyest guys the you know the bros uh and then you start to kind of narrow your field whether you know i went going to college uh starting in a a career people have similarities to you and you realize we have similarities apart from just being straight white males you know we both like frisbee we both like this type of music and you realize that you don't have to try to be this person that society expects you to be and that you expect yourself to be looking at these other guys that are quote-unquote you know getting all the girls like they're the super popular you know Mm -hmm. so it's like as you focus as you i guess kind of narrow your focus you realize that there's a lot more that you can do with yourself and you can be a lot more of your own person, yeah. I guess. Uh, that's great to hear and, uh, and it's very interesting. And you know, that's around gender, right? Have you found, you know, I feel like women have an, like an ex- it's acceptable for women to like experiment in college, right? If like two girls kiss, that, like that's, that's fine, right? Like they're just playing around. If two guys kiss, like they're automatically labeled as homosexual, right? And so there's this, you know, males seem to be more closed down generally because of these these expectations put on them overall. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and I think that it's really unfair to gay males because if they're surrounded by the toxic masculinity environment, they're terrified of experimenting, of coming out because society doesn't think that they should be like that. And like you mentioned with with females, some people have said, oh, girls, there's no girl that's 100% straight. Like All of them are like a little bit gay, right? And so, great. So if they kiss another girl, that's completely normal. Whereas with guys, no, guys, if you're straight, you're straight, you know? Mm-hmm. There's no wiggle room, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. That's very fair. And, you know, and then, you know, factoring in your, your whiteness, right? Like those, the... the the, the sexuality and the gender, it, it's much less evident in each person, right? You can't see it at first light. And so there is, you know, people are kind of more scared because of ambiguity type thing. But how have you, like, have, have there been any or many instances of you noticing how your whiteness has affected your life? Yes, I would say so. Whether it's the way people look at me if I'm in a certain part of town or the way people act, you know, towards me. Uh, it's usually relatively positive, uh, depending on my surroundings. Um, if I'm in, you know, a more urban, a more multicultural part of town, maybe I'm treated differently because I'm the minority in that sense. Whether they treat me better or worse, you know, it's a flip of the coin, really depends. Um, and there have been times in my life where I've been one of three or four white people in a town you know, and very different, so different, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb, 
Uh, and it's usually in the situations that I was in, they were a lot nicer just because I was white. You know, they passed their judgment just by looking at my skin color. Yeah. Which, you know, again, is positive. And like you said, you know, being this white straight male is like, it's like a cheat code, you know? Yeah. That's very fair, and like I, I try to always be very aware of my privilege, right? Like, I, I, anyone who claims privilege isn't a thing I don't buy, right? Like, society exists in a certain way, and just by nature of people, you know, having bias towards their their brethren, right? Like their brethren or whatever, right? Like, so like, how does it feel, or what do you think about people who claim that we have no right to complain, right? Like we talked about toxic masculinity. And that really has caused problems in my life and, you know, impacted my mental health and things. But there are some people who would claim, well, I'm a male. I have no right to complain. Like, I have it better. What, so what do you think about, like, that narrative? In reference to my skin color, my gender, my... Generally, like, you are, we are the epitome of privilege, right? And some people think, you know, we have everything we could ever want. We have no right to complain. So it's, like, multifaceted. Right. And I think that a big, big chunk of that too has to do with your social status, like your class, you know, are you middle class, upper class, lower class? I'm middle class. So, you know, I'm very lucky in that my family can afford things that other families can't, you know, looking at myself versus a lower class white person, there's, you're going to find disparities as well. But I think that being the straight white male that I am, I'm absolutely, I, I don't know that I don't have anything to complain about. I can definitely think of stuff to complain about, but yeah. um, I think the idea that shutting somebody down automatically just because of the way that they look, you know, or their identity is stupid. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, just because they look a certain way, act a certain way, doesn't mean that their opinion, that their struggle is any less important. Yeah, and you brought up a very important point around act like class, right? We've kind of lost that conversation as identity has kind of taken over. But there are still so many white people, just like any race or, or religion or culture, that are not well off, right? In, in this country, in the U.S., and in, in anywhere, right? And, and it seems that their problems are dismissed now as well because they're white. Right. And it's like you can have people who are in, you know, horrible poverty who have a lot of problems. Right. Like I think a lot of my privilege is more so around my class than my race or gender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just without getting too political, you look at the previous election in the U.S. And supposedly one of the one of the reasons that Hillary lost is because she didn't cater to middle aged white men, you know, lower class middle aged white men, because she just assumed that, you know, whether she had the vote or whatever. And it's like you just discourage them because you think they have nothing to, to offer you, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the problem with, with classes, obviously. And then you look at, alternatively, a, a lot of the affluent people tend to be white. Yeah. Right? You know? So somebody may see an affluent white male in a fancy car, and then they turn and the next white person they see is me, and they think, oh, you guys are the same. Yeah. Right. So one thing that I want to talk about that I find really interesting is, you know, from our positions as, you know, the straight white males, you know, how do we view the, the, what, you know, some people are calling the oppression Olympics, right? Like, you know, 
if we look at a brown person, a brown male versus a white female versus a gay person, like, I, I find it very interesting, like, who do I feel has more or less privilege, right? Because I, I, I do ultimately think it's, it's relative to uh, the standard of cis straight white male, right? So I, I think that like gay men, and this is going to be horrible to say potentially, but gay men seem to have more privilege on average than white women or brown men, right? Because there was an interesting thing about how, uh, never mind, I don't remember it actually, but... Um, Shut that down fast. Yeah, but like, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, I can act gay for a bit, and is that more or less okay than if I act like a woman? Right, like that, those sorts of things, right? Like, do you get kind of where I'm going with this? I kind of see what you're saying, yeah, there's different levels. Um, and in, I, in our circles, for example, right? Like we have a lot of friends who aren't white and we don't really treat them any differently, you know, but still there's a tendency to treat women differently than men, I feel, right, on average. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, we'll bro out with guys of any race but you don't bro out and just like chill with females as much potentially, right? And so like, and, and same with like, with homosexual guys potentially, like is there, the ideal is we treat everyone equally, but in your like, in your life so far, have you noticed any differences? Yeah, what, what you were talking about with the broing out and the sissing out I don't know what it would be called yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it doesn't work because sis is straight and whatever um, so I would say for example the two of us talking right now if there was no camera and we were just sitting you know drinking a beer or some whatever in society's eyes that's just two guys hanging out right whereas if I was a girl in society's eyes you might be trying to get my pants you know um, and then if I was a gay guy in society's eyes I'm trying to sleep with you you know there's all these um, preconceived notions with gender and race and sexuality. And sex is like such a taboo topic still, I find. Absolutely. And um, what you were saying beforehand about just saying, you know, a gay guy versus a brown person versus... In Canada, we are very privileged to be able to just casually say literally the phrase a brown person. I've said that in passing conversation in the States and in Australia, and they're looking at me like, what do you mean a brown person? And they take offense to that. Even white people, they take offense to that. They think that they shouldn't be allowed to say that, mm -hmm. you know, which I think is very interesting. It shows Canada's inclusivity and just the fact that we can just say, oh, that guy's brown. Well, so I think a lot of people here would disagree with you and like the prevailing narratives in like the political sphere on social media and stuff, they would say that's horribly racist, right? To generalize all brown people as brown. Mm -hmm. But what, what I've talked to you about before actually is how like I think looking at like the way we have our like frat boy culture, let's say, like the guys we like can hang out, drink with and that kind of thing. We don't care about like we, we guys rip on each other about anything, right? So race, color, like, you know, we have we have Persian friends who are hairy and we joke about that because like it doesn't matter it's a stereotype he's hairy specifically mm -hmm. right and like things like that which some people watching this will find horribly horribly racist but I find it refreshing that I can joke about him as a person and it doesn't matter if it happens to be a stereotype I don't care I'm friends with him and I'm gonna rip on him for who he is right which is like kind of backwards but it's mm -hmm. like refreshing in the same 
at the same time. Exactly. You're going to make jokes about the differences, not the similarities. You're not going to say, oh, I have the same shirt as you, but your shirt's shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's what it comes down to. I agree. You know, if you get a very multicultural group of friends like we have, um, when you're just shooting the shit, you're going to make comments. And obviously with some people, you have to kind of let tread lightly because maybe they don't take things the same way that you imply them. Um, but if you're really close with somebody, you can say almost anything about them and to them and they'll laugh, you know, and they'll let it just run off their back, you know? Yeah. Sw- switching gears back to the, like, male-male relationship, and we're kind of getting off from, like, talking about you specifically, but I, I like this kind of vein of, you know, our, our friendship, right? And so, like, I had a friend over, a, a cis white, straight white male friend the other day, and we were talking about, like, you know, who can I be like emotionally attached to, right? And who can I love, right, as a, as a friend? And I felt like in high school in particular, but generally males are taught to only love the person they eventually want to marry, right? Because if I hang out with a female, I should be trying to sleep with her, right? Like I should be interested romantically. Mm. And when I was hanging out with guys, you know, I was called gay or it was a bromance, like it's made fun of. Right, and I, I had that experience all throughout high school and university um, when I had a, like a specific male best friend, mm-hmm. right? Whereas girls, females have their girlfriends that they gal pals, right? They have wine nights where they just chill and talk. But that's so, that's seen as taboo, right? You need, guys always need an excuse to have that relationship with one another, it feels. Yeah, poker night, you know, going out to the rippers, you're just going out for drinks, whatever. And it seems like you're right, that there has to be some underlying narrative uh or theme to guys hanging out it's hard you can't just say oh you want to grab a coffee and catch up yeah and like for and for what guys are like allowed to talk to each other about right like you know females stereotypically have a more intimate relationship when they talk about sex it's more from an emotional standpoint not from a did you see this chick i'm trying to bang right like the the tone of the conversations males are like supposed to be having is very different as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it seems like for me personally in my past, a lot of the more emotional, more relationshipy, more real like check-in, see how you're doing conversations I was having was with women. Yeah. Because a lot of my male friends wouldn't be able, not necessarily wouldn't be able to handle, but wouldn't, try to to get into a conversation of that nature yeah even something as simple as you know i catch up with a friend i haven't seen in a couple weeks and my mom will say oh hey like how's he doing i'm like oh pretty good where's he working we didn't talk about that you know we were talking about sports we were talking about beer and color of our shoes and so it seems like i'm more comfortable opening up to females because I see them as being more emotionally available to have a conversation with me yeah. than a lot of the guys are. Um, I, have the, I have the exact same thing, right? And as, you know, recently I've been making a, more female friends and it's been a relief to have people I can talk about those things with because I have lots of guy friends, but we don't ever, like, it, it seems completely absurd to just, like, be honest with the guy and say like, hey, I need to chat, let's grab a coffee or whatever, right? What I, the, the comparison I like to make is, 
I say like a guy's only kegger is the equivalent of a girl's only wine night because we need to be drunker to have our emotions out, right? right. Like guys at the end of the night, they'll be like, I love you, man, right? Like that's the stereotype is like they need to get drunk first to be allowed to show each other emotion. Right. And sometimes it's more elaborate. Like sometimes a guy invites another guy over and says that he's filming something <laughs> so that you can just have a candid conversation. Well, but th this is How do I know that's even on? It's a perfect example, right? Like you and I have had good conversations, but it's always been like a pre-drink for something, right? It's like we've happened to have alone time, right? Relative to something else. Right. Um, in university, I remember like my roommates just it, by coincidence you were allowed to talk to because they were there. But if I had friends who I didn't live with and I was consistently going and hanging out with them a lot, it was a bromance, right? Like it was always labeled negatively. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, to me, I, I felt I was trained to only have emotional feelings for the females I was also trying to be with romantically. Mm -hmm. So do you feel that if you had in university, for example, if you had a female friend that you were literally just friends with, and you kept being like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with um, Susan. Would your friends not be like, oh, you're trying to bang Susan, oh, bro? Oh, absolutely. Right. right. Like one of my best friends I've been friends with since high school. So it's like 10 years now. And still people are like asking about that, right? Because it's just the expectation, right, on, on males. Right. So I feel like the whole bromance thing is more of a, of a corny kind of jokey, like, oh, you're super gay. Uh, you love each other, whereas if it was with a female friend, people would be a lot more serious. Like, so are you guys gonna start dating? Like, what's... well, yeah, but that's a whole other thing about like you know the LGBTQ community and how they're viewed and stuff. So, but okay, so we got way like way down a, a tangent, but I, I did find that fairly interesting. So I appreciate that. But it's bring... fairly interesting. Very interesting. There we go. But bringing it back a bit, like. You know, how, how else have you viewed your identity generally? Like, as a cis straight white male, do you think there's any negative impacts of it, right? Like, because that's the whole thing is we're told, like, the, the world opens up for us, right? Like, we have anything we want. And for, for a large part, I would agree. Like, my life is easier than most people's, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know... I always joke how I'm, I'm Jewish, so it's like a debate as to whether or not that adds or subtracts privilege from me. Right. Because, you know, and, and there's, that's a whole other thing. But what do you think? I definitely think that some people would totally make assumptions, you know, after looking at me. There are a few times where I've been, one instance, for example, I was put into a, a boys and girls club when I was in college. And essentially, I was working somewhere that, it was a co-op and I'm like, I've been here for six, nine months, great experience, but I'm done. And so the business came back and said, listen, we put you in this boys and girls club. You'll get paid by the government to work for us. And so I was in a, in a club, a club with maybe 20 other kids, my age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. And I was the only white guy. It's all the black people. Um, and going in, it was intimidating because I was the only white guy, right? And they would have casual conversations about discrimination and the usage of the N-word. And I was just kind of sitting there like, oh, gosh, I can't, I can't relate, you mm. know? Um, and it seems like 
they were kind of looking at me and they kind of asked me questions like, why are you here? Right. And the same thing from time to time, I do work through a labor company and a lot of the other people who work for the labor company are black. And so we'll get to talking on the job site and they'll say, I'll say, oh, I, like I traveled here or I did that or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, so why are you here? You know, and they just assume that because I'm white, because I'm not so much straight, it's more white male that they assume that I should just have things. Yeah, you and, should be better off than you are. Yeah. And you already said you're middle class, right? right? So like, I feel like that is largely what weighs on the poor white people. And not to say like, I, not to say they don't have some things better still because they're white, but like they don't, the assumption is that they should have anything they want. Like, like there's still this prevailing narrative that like white poor people, it's their fault. They have all the opportunities for them. Like if you're not a successful business person and you're a white male, you must have messed up, right? But would you not say that a lot of people would say that uh, poverty-stricken black people, it's their fault for being poor too? Yeah, but I'm saying it's wrong on both counts, right? right okay. like, but it's seen right now as more acceptable to cast that. And like, I argue, you know, I, I believe that the narrative is largely controlled by the left at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's still like, it's obviously incorrect to claim a black person's in poverty because of their own choices, but it's still seen as a, seen as more acceptable for white people potentially. Right. But yeah. Well, it's even just looking at it from like a joke perspective. I always make the comment that I'm practically untouchable in terms of jokes. I'm white, I'm straight. Um, I'm a male, I'm non-religious, you know, so the only comments they have, oh, he's got a big forehead, you know, yeah. like you're Jewish. I'm sure a lot of the jokes that get directed your way are Jew jokes, right? Yeah. If you were black, the same thing, right? So it seems like we're easy targets because there's nothing else that we can talk about. So it's like, oh, if you don't have a lot of hardships, you don't have a lot of negative qualities or whatever, um, we can just throw shit on you. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have a hard time. Yeah, right. that's fair in, in its own way. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So shifting a bit, like we've talked a lot about and we went, you know, on a few tangents, but we've talked about how you're identified. But I always like to switch it over how, how you identify. Right. So, you know, is do you identify strongly with your maleness or your whiteness or or what else? Like what do you, you know, put forward first when you meet people? Um, and what do you think of first when you think about who you are? Right. So the first thing that I would say describing myself to somebody is that I'm outgoing. Um, I, I'm active, you know, I have a good sense of humor. And those are three things that I feel like guys are expected to be active. Guys, for the most part, are expected to have a good sense of humor. Um, and then if a guy's not outgoing, he's probably not getting dates. He's probably not meeting women, right? Um, so it's kind of funny that I picked those three things specifically, mm. um, which, you know, goes hand in hand with the fact that I'm, I'm a male. I'm uh, a white, straight male. Um, but outside of that, I would say that there are some things that, not that I would hesitate to do first meeting somebody to kind of like prove my identity, but there are probably some things that I would hold back on. Maybe if it's the first time I'm meeting somebody, maybe I won't dance as ridiculously. Maybe I will, you know, tr avoid certain topics until I'm more comfortable with them. But for the most part, I try to be 
as much as who I am as I can be when I meet people. We hung out um, a couple weeks ago and you, uh, you had a laugh because there was a girl that I had met on Tinder and she came along, the, the two of us, this girl and another friend, um, and I was trying to keep away mosquitoes so I had uh, dryer sheets in my pockets yeah. um, and she noticed them and I pulled one out and you started laughing and I just kind of tucked it into my shirt and you're laughing even harder and you mentioned afterwards that I didn't try to like hide it. Yeah. Like I put, oh, it's a dryer sheet and then I just leave it away. I'm like, no, this is who I am and yeah. I'm comfortable with my identity and I'm comfortable with people thinking otherwise, you know, and making their own judgments because honestly it, it doesn't, it shouldn't affect me. Do you think it's easier for you to be comfortable with your identity because you're a cis straight white male? I think so because of a lot of the stereotypes directed towards cis white straight males aren't negative. There's not a lot of negative connotations mm-hmm. apart from us being scum, you know, apart from us, I don't know, being rapey, being bros, right? A lot of the stereotypes related to people that identify themselves as I do are positive. So it doesn't, I, I think that it makes it easier for me to, to be who I am. Oh, yeah. That's very fair. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, like shifting into politics now, we kind of touched on it a bit, um, but I like especially talking about like what stereotypes there are around, you know, people like us, you know, there's definitely a prevailing narrative now around how we're scum, right? Like how white people are, are bad, white males are much worse. Um, and white so straight males. White straight, cis straight white males are the worst, right? Like, and you know, I mean, I don't think I'm the worst, right? Um, that's your opinion, though. That's my opinion. But, you know, how do you view what's going on now with politics and identity and, and on that stuff? Um, I think that in a lot of ways, because we're seen as quote-unquote scum, you know, we are becoming a bit of the scapegoat in certain situations. And I feel like in Canada... There isn't as much national news as maybe there have been in previous years. So other things are rising to the surface and it's smaller things and it's gender identity things. And it's things that five, 10 years ago wouldn't be news, but because not a lot else is happening, it's becoming news. And I mean, look at Jordan Peterson, right? I don't want to open that, you know, can of worms, but he's a straight cis white male, you know, and he's the whipping boy. Because he said some things that he probably shouldn't have said as a straight white male. And so I think that, yeah, we're definitely becoming scapegoats to some degree. But, I mean, boo-hoo, poor us, right? You know? Right. And that's like the, the, the debate, right? The counterbalance is like, as much as we complain, how bad is it really? It's, it's still not bad, mm-hmm. right? And like I've, I've struggled with how bad it is actually at any given point, you know? But do you think which, as a, as a thought game, which privilege do you think is the most important? Like, do you think you get more in life because you're white or because you're straight or because you're, or because you're a guy? I would say, I mean, if I had to rank it, I would say white, male, straight, I think my opinion okay that's interesting i would say male first i think males get away with a lot 
in like the workforce and like in a lot but like I I also think in in a professional setting it seems to me that being a male has more benefits than being white but maybe it's more explicitly obvious like the way women are treated is more evident to me but also my circles I view as not particularly racist if that makes sense right like mm. um whereas I, I think like the sexism is more pervasive but then I also feel like I feel like homosexuality is like in my circles not really factored in much right like people don't ask like and it's not really assumed one way or the other but so it's yeah I don't really know how I feel but that's yeah yeah. Well, I was just thinking from a general standpoint, if you have, for example, a room of six people at an office, there's three guys and three girls, each of one, each pair, guy, girl, guy, girl, guy, girl, are black, white, Asian, for example. Um, something breaks in the room. Immediately, the boss is probably going to turn to the three guys first, Right. Um, and he isn't going to question it. Maybe he'll question, oh, maybe the Asian guy knows how to fix it because it's technology, you know? Um, but I think that, so looking first, that's the male thing. Because um, I said, I said male. No, I said, why is it white male? Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, so maybe I'm proving your point. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, fair. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe I'm proving your point. Yeah. And, uh, All right, well, cool. anyways. You're welcome. I, I, this has kind of gone off the rails a little bit and we had a technical difficulty. Thanks for coming into the safe space. Uh, we went a little awry there, but I still think it's a worthwhile conversation. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, support us on Patreon, and we hope you'll join us next time.